Our scripture reading this morning is coming from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, going through to chapter 4, through verse 24. Uh, Scriptures for our visitors is in the bulletin. Hear this, the word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of, he, excuse me, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men in saying he ascended. What does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. 
assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor of Church. And uh, truly, I went to the men's uh, tailgate party yesterday, and truly it was a good time. I thank the men's shepherds and, and others that pulled together to pull that off. And um, I, I have a new man law. Another man can't make another man a sandwich. I took a poll. Hey, man, if I was at your house, would you make me a sandwich? I'm not going to make you no sandwich. Go get your own sandwich. I know it sounds stupid, but it makes complete sense. Jermaine, would you make me a sandwich? No, can't do it. Can't do it. Anyway, um, that's what I learned. Praise the Lord. Um, Okay, it was great. Lots of uh, fun. Um, Food, bad for your arteries food. It was great. It was a good time. Well, we continue in our sermon series on the vision of Christ Central Church, and today we are going to also continue on the vision concept of eclectic community. Today, how eclectic community finds its home in the church, in the church. In Ephesians, Paul is speaking to a group of Jewish and Gentile believers who find themselves both in one church claiming to be God's people. And in this dilemma of Jew and non-Jew new Christianity, the Apostle Paul, the planter of this church, calls them to and gives them the assurance that, number one, they are all God's chosen people, saved and chosen by grace because of Jesus, and secondly, they should live the reality out of that, out in a new way of living and believing. Part of God's church. The church. God's halfway house. A halfway house with rules that that call us to live in community, to live towards change, and to finally be loved by Jesus. Like any halfway house, you and I Believers in Jesus Christ can't be alone. Look with me at chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. By using the word walk, God is telling us that as believers, this is who you are called to be now, according to that new spirit he has put in you, to live this way. That means then that that we can in large part tell who a believer is by the way they live, and in that, they confirm and affirm their calling to be the Lord's by not being alone. 
but, but finding themselves in and working for Christ-centered community with others. Look at the descriptions of, of what accompanies the, the calling to be the Lord's. Verse 2 says what? Humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another. These are relational adverbs and verbs and nouns. They, they point, point to and prescribe community with others. That if you are a believer and claim to be so, your life will be marked by and characterized by someone who has to struggle and be patient and work hard and hope together with and be bonded together, cemented in love and love acted out between each other as part of the Spirit's work. And look at what he describes here as the work of God in verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord and one faith and one baptism. It's oneness. It's oneness. This is what believers are called and working toward. It's, it's oneness from many. It's one hope held by many to one family, one body, one church, the church and churches. And with that, challenges, encourages us in is this. If you're a believer, then you must be in real time. Not only in a spiritual way, but be in a committed, affecting, corporate, spatial, family relationship with a group of people, and it isn't flighty and temporal from church to church and person to person. The word Jews would beg otherwise. The word patience, long-suffering, working to keep unity in it for the long haul with people whom you are cemented in a bond of unity with by the Spirit to grow together in Christ. Some of us have been or are professional church hoppers. No membership anywhere. We are visitors all the time. You just belong to everyone. Or you just plan on, you plan on hanging out forever. Ever. Come, you come nonchalantly. You can stay home or go on a weekend trip to live loosely and vainly about being known and knowing God's people, or you live above or below everyone. Some of you have made it easy to hit the door and say goodbye because you have never really committed to these people here or wherever. Christianity is about not being free to walk out and in whenever you want to because it is hard or, or it's not going your way. Or they didn't sing your favorite song today. Or, or you didn't like the way people were dressed. It's, it, it's not your choice to be alone. The Bible calls you, your Lord that you claim calls you to otherwise. That if you've reasoned between yourself and, and some wrong concept of God, that you have a higher calling then lived out membership in some body of believers that, that you belong to the spiritual church and that's all that matters. This scripture, this word of God, God is saying that is wrong. This scripture, 
This word of God says that if you are not tied in some way with a physical, geographical, accountable group of believers, then you, number one, are missing out on the pleasures and joys of being called, or number two, you miss out on being assured that you are a believer. Because the same spirit that was at work in you to call you to faith is the same spirit that calls you to the bond of unity. You can't have one spirit that calls you to Christ and another spirit that says you don't have to be with Christians in a church. It doesn't work like that. Why should I believe, or anyone believe for that matter, that you know or speak for the God of the Bible who marks his people by being with each other in a bond of unity and love in the body? I mean, I tend not to believe you are believable or believing. Why? Why should anyone believe God is a father of orphans? Why should anyone believe that he's the God of unwanted people and calling them to be in the family of God who are submitted to God when you live like an unwanted, unsubmitted orphan yourself? How can you be believed? That God loves me no matter what. And you have not put yourself in a position to be loved no matter what. As a matter of fact, I feel sad about these so-called Christian freedoms. Living life out like you did in a college ministry. Coming and going and doing whatever you want. It don't work like that even if you are in college. Because in your so-called freedom... You have become lost in losing what God has intended for you to be the people of God. I don't know a whole lot about recovering addict stuff, but based on what your issue may be, what I do know is recovering addict will find themselves in a halfway house or program or something. If you call yourself a recovering whatever, but you are not in a program or with a group or have accountability or in a home, then guess what? You are not one. You are not a recovering whatever. Like like going around saying, I am a sinner saved by grace and don't come to the meeting and ministries and relationships of the community of grace. You are fooling yourself. Knowing and understanding what is clear here, that I can't be his alone. But not only that, that I can't live as his alone. Look with me at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth he who, is, who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And we all attain, until rather, we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God 
to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that, that it builds itself up in love. Now, there's a lot there, and we're going to come back to some of it. But I want to highlight two reasons you can't live as a believer alone. You won't make it. And you weren't called to make it alone. That if we look at verse 12, that it says that we are led to maturity in Christ by loving and being in Christ-centered community with each other. That we strengthen each other to love by love, by being involved and, and showing and helping and speaking into each other's lives. Look at verse 14 and six through 16 again. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We will be tossed back and forth, and we will fall back. And, and Paul adds a cap to this in the following verses. Verse 17, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of your minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated. You get this? Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Without the body, without the church community, you will fall back. You're becoming an addict and victim of sin, an addict and victim of fear and pain and hurt, like an addict with no accountability. It's only a matter of time before being lonely or, or loneliness itself will lead you back to that which was killing your heart in life. You and I won't grow and live without the community of faith. We will, we will slip and we will fall. If you're not a member anywhere, and I know membership has some peculiar definitions, but however a church group, that is an administrative group, and we'll get back to that, defines membership. If you're not in where someone can speak into your life and it's like a family, like you committed, like, like there's some rings that's been exchanged, some kind of something that says you're a member, if you aren't in that situation, I'm telling you from my short-lived pastoral experience and then personal experience that I have, and then most importantly what Scripture says, either the so-called believer who is not in fellowship is not one, or most often has a myriad of dark sin secrets and deep fears. Maybe he or she is just doing some personal management. Then it's only a matter of time before sin overtakes them. If you have to write and control your own story and narrative about everything you might be in trouble. I think about my own friends, myself, church planters, church superstars, personalities, are often lonely. 
Loneliness is the number one reason for folk falling in ministry. Loneliness. Man, I'm so glad we had the elders retreat. It was good. I think I got some brothers and sisters. If you're walking away and doubting the faith, faith, loneliness. If you're suffering and struggling, being destroyed and devoured by an evil world, without doubt, alone. If you're even being financially destroyed, alone, socially, alone, taken advantage of, alone. You know, we came up with the parish model with our community groups, women shepherds, men shepherds, and elders uh, uh, being a part. In, but most importantly, those of you without church titles. Coming together during the week to care for each other? This isn't some new church scheme. I mean, it is a scheme. It's a way to try to make it work based on who we are as a church. It's not a scheme. It's a spiritual exercise for your soul. It's to keep you fed. It's to keep you in. So this isn't one of these things where, you know, community group is a nice bonus prize. Or being and being known by people is, you know, that's for those folk who are really committed to Christ. It's for those who are in Christ. That's why we do this. It's yours. It's not ours. It's not like the church's, the institution's thing. It is you. It is for you. It is made up of you. You know, back in the day, some, you know, go to older cities, and you, you see a church on every corner, and it was almost like everyone had their own denomination church. So, you know, right across the street from the Presbyterian church is the Baptist church, right across the Baptist church is the Lutheran church, got the Catholic, got the synagogues, got all kind of stuff in, in, in blocks in older cities. You know, I begin to think about how we live in, in this sprawl. And now Christ Central has become this regional church, right? Where people over here, over here, over here, and they come to Christ Central. And so, you know, back in the day, folk didn't run all over the place. And so they knew each other during the week because they saw each other in the same grocery store. Their kids went to the same school. You know, the homes were in the same area around the churches that they went to. And what we're trying to do is help you have that same experience. Not because we will be the cool church that has this model, the parish model with that name and all. We don't use it. I'm not into that. It's just a neat word to kind of use, kind of help you understand. But it's purpose. So you wouldn't be tossed back and forth thinking you can run your life by yourself. Do you have someone or the freedom and confidence in such a relationship to call someone at 2 in the morning? Who is that person? And how much wisdom from the Scripture are they going to give you when, they call, when you call them? We've talked about this. We talked about this in our new members class. For our, especially our single women in the church. We, we, we say, you know what, if you're on a date and you're a member up in here, and a brother act a fool? No condemnation. You call up, pick, pick up the phone, call an elder, deacon, or somebody in your parish, we will come and get you. We'll pay the bill. If he act too much a fool, we might even have to go to jail. It's all right. <laughs> Most of the New Testament was written out of jail. We all right. <laughs> I'll send a cassette tape recording for the sermon. We'll be all right. Cassette, sorry. Eight track. But the point is you can't be left alone with your thoughts or your life. 
Like verse 14 implies, you will develop and gain some messed up thoughts about God and yourself and your calling. So no, you, you don't know the amount, amount of people I've heard struggling with an issue. And they come up with some theology. You know, some thought about God. Some, you know, crazy thought about how life is put together and why they can't be a member of a church and why they can't do this. Just this nugget of fool's gold. Where'd you get that? Well, you know, it's me and God on the back porch. <laughs> Did any of those talking squirrels come up like in a Disney movie? Let me tell you what to do. No, I'm just... And I'm not trying to tease anybody. I do it too. If I sit around with my own thoughts, y'all, I come up with some crazy stuff. Hush, Kelly. Hush. You can't take the issue alone. You can't handle life's issues alone. It will make you sin. It will make you hate God. It will make you hate yourself. It will make you feel tired. Some are tired of fighting and have given in to the sin and to just being lonely. You can't fight alone. And what's most important here is that God doesn't want you taken from or blind to him because of distress and sin that you can't handle alone. Christianity is not and has never been a one-man boat. It's a cruise liner. Christianity is awkward, man. It ain't, it ain't easy to maneuver. You, you have so many blind spots. You remember them old Lincolns back in the day in the 70s? You got to get the person in the back seat. You see anything? You have to follow that little thing on the front. Or... Christianity's worse than that. When you, jo- when you join Christ and you come in, you're in a rowboat. And there are lots of oars. Not only will you perish alone, you will stall alone. You see, God's household is about helping us change, and we change by submitting ourselves to God's administration. Now, we just read all those scriptures. We talk about Christ. If we look at verse uh, 8, it says, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? That he also descended to lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then it talks about no longer being tossed to and fro. You know what it's talking about? That this Christianity requires a degree of submission to each other. But there's a stronger, more formal corporate call to submission. The picture here we have of Christ, where it talks about him uh, leading, having gifts in his train. In the Psalms, the, the king would, after a great victory, people would throw gifts at him. Hey, you you won. Here, take this gold. Take this. But in the gospel, it's a flip picture. Where what Christ has won, 
He doesn't receive the gifts. He actually comes and he gives the gifts that he's won on the cross and through resurrection. He gives them to the church. Now, when it says the word gift, when it, the word, uh, it, the word uh, measure here in verse 7 and given together, it mean, the word is administration. Verse 7 is a word some of us non-corporate impression mystic Christians may not want to hear or recognize about Jesus' work for the church. The word measured with the word given means administration. Jesus, for the health of his church, has brought administration to it. He has given leaders to feed the church, historical progression of the church, and then standard truth-speaking offices. So you have apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, all of which have one thing in common. They speak about God for God, for God, for you, so you can grow. They preach the gospel. Now, we must read the passages primarily being about the work of preaching and teaching of the Word of God. That the pastors and elders and teachers speak for God to God's people. I'm going to say something scary. In the church, through the elders, God speaks to us through elders. God speaks to you through us. I had a seminary professor talk about this once, and it was the most humiliating class I've ever had. He said, guys... When you get up, you're the mouthpiece of God. These truths in the scripture become spiritual truths that impact and change people's lives. About 80% of the guys wanted to quit. Nobody, I mean, why would God do it that way? I've always wondered that. Why would he do it that way? Why can't Jesus just show up like in a hologram? Like they did that Tupac thing. Come with me. I mean, it was great. Why can't Jesus do that? He chose his church to do it, and he said he's given gifts, apostles and preachers and teachers and everybody else to teach the truth. He's made it kind of difficult. And guess what? In that vein, I speak directly to the fear of organized relationship. I mean, religion, rather. Take it up with Jesus. He did it. Not us. I don't want it like this. I'd like to sit and watch a hologram of Jesus just like you. Jesus coming on PowerPoint right now. He's tweeting. But he said and said that there would be authority structures to give his word and grace. And I say this in direct opposition to the so-called open church. Where there's no leadership, no administration, everyone can just come and go as they please, and no one can be the pastor or preacher, or everyone must be the pastor and preacher. This movement is not a reform of the church. It is rooted in, number one, a bad experience, or number two, fear that God may have put together a machine that has got out of control like Terminator. And some of your fear is no fiction movie. I agree. Some terrible and cruel and abusive things have happened to many of you. And it's easy to determine in your hurt and history to declare any kind of religious organization or vow-giving association where I am submitted as being too dangerous. Fool me once. Shame on 
Who? You. Fool me twice. Shame on me. No shame on the church that did this, though. I agree that some churches' miscues may have driven people to stay a free agent. And I am sorry for that. But that doesn't mean we throw away God's glorious call that's for you. It means we turn to it again and again like God turns to each of us again and again in our imperfection. Scripture, God's word calls us to submission to his administration in the church. To being pastored, to being led, to being preached to, to being fed by God's appointed leadership. That if you are not submitted to leadership in heart, believing it for yourself, indeed giving into it or coming to and for it, then you will not mature. You will not grow. You will not know as well and truly the love of God. You will be unstable and easily taken by non-truths. In the greatest fear, you'll be taken by the world's number one false prophet or cult leader, yourself. You really believe you're called to be your own shepherd. Even as a pastor, I become a cult leader if I'm not shepherded by the other pastors, elders, and close friends. As an aside, if you hear some foolishness from us, let us know. If I say something crazy, let me know. Talk to me. Warning, I can't take a whole bunch of y'all with a bunch of foolishness. And if you do come, please bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. I don't need no more opinions. I got enough of that on Facebook, got too involved in that. But this authority office thing must be put in perspective. It is powerful in God reaching and working because the change that is caused by it is because you're knowing and being loved by God. Look at this, how this passage opens up in verse 14 in chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what, are the, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's prayer is that the Ephesians see and appreciate and celebrate their calling to be part of God's eternal family. And in that, that they would know God. The height and the breadth and the depth is an allusion to the temple, that through their involvement and comprehension of the temple, now the church, they would share in the temple experience on every level, which is interaction and community with the God of the Bible himself. That the church is God's very instrument for people to know the love of Christ. It is the means by which, as we are involved in it, through it, God reveals himself, his love, and his grace. This is where God draws near to you and me. Get this. The church is where we are touched and healed and filled by God himself. We live... In a personal relationship world, 
And the Apostle Paul is speaking against that. In fact, what's real interesting is the Gentiles who are converting to Christ are surprised that they're welcomed into this new temple called the church, having, been not, having not been permitted in the temple with the Jews. And here we are. The ability to be with each other. The ability to be in a place where God shows up in incredible and supernatural and spirit-filling ways, and we stay away. We put everything on, hey, I'm going to the mountains. Mountains nice. Church is better. Well, you know I've been having some good quiet times. Good. But your quiet times are obsolete if they're not connecting in love with other people. Well, you know, I would go to church today, but I just need some time alone. Huh? So Jesus, like, came and he died. And he rose again. So you can have the luxury of staying home? Something wrong with that story. You know what's wrong with it? It ain't biblical. You know what's wrong with it? That ain't Christianity. Man, back in the day, and I don't want to try to make nostalgia the answer, because that ain't true either. We were messed up back then. But boy, you couldn't stay home from church. When I was a kid, if you were sick, Mom, I'm sick. I can't go to church today. Okay. You can't turn on the TV. No video games. You, you, couldn't do, you couldn't go outside and play. It wasn't like after church was over. I feel better. No. You in the house. You in the house. All your rest of your friends had a good time because they went to church. You didn't. What was that about? Jesus died to give you an ability to enter in with his people, for him to visit you here like no other place, to worship. And the reason worship is hard for a lot of us up in here is you don't know the stories of other people next to you. You know what worship means? It's, it means giving God his worth. You know how you emor- not only give God worth, because your life might really suck this week. You come to worship, you don't want to praise God. Things ain't going right. But you hear a story about the Aikens and kids running. The church is here. And you'd be like, play that song again. Hallelujah. Right? You can't worship God and not be in community. Don't work like that. I'm here to tell you today God is here. God works in this worship service and secondarily non-Sunday functions of the, all the parish stuff we talked about and prayer tribes and sharing and bearing each other's sins. That in and by the work of the church, they and now we are assured that we are God's and that he is our father. This church, the church, says that he will not leave or lie to us. That in and by the church, God has found his people. God has sought sinners and and called us to be his, his people forever. That in the church, God has established a halfway house. 
a place and people halfway but truly between an earthly association and a heavenly citizenship, a people halfway there, truly somewhere between sinner and saint, completely belonging to him but incompletely committed to him, declared righteous by the blood of Jesus, but struggling and growing to live that righteousness. A place, an eclectic community of the church that though halfway there, are fully the people of God in Christ Jesus. You guys are the church. Your part matters. And I talked about the administration part and the pastors and the elders. You are the church. You're his body. We know the love of Christ when you're there. 